All right, well, this morning we are continuing our series um, on pray, and thank you very much, uh, Bill and team, for leading us in, in song. We um, hopefully, or my goal anyway with this series, is to challenge us a little bit on our view of what prayer is, um, our view on how we pray, uh, some of the ways that we maybe have at times approached prayer. Um, I'm not going to say that it's wrong, but I, don't, I, I wonder maybe if it hasn't been as effective as it could have been. And so we see in the Bible, we see that we are instructed to pray. And so we will, I think it's important for us to take some time and to learn. And so Pastor Peter started the series off. Pastor Jonna um, was the next one. And then last week we talked about really defining what prayer is. And so I want to work with the definition that we started with last week. And that is prayer is inviting Jesus in. Prayer isn't just simply words that we speak. It isn't just, you know, things that we say. Uh, that is a form of praying. It's a way to pray. But prayer is inviting Jesus in. And so what we want to do is we want to invite Jesus into our lives. We want him to, to work in our hearts and to speak to us. And so it's really important that we recognize that if we define prayer as just something we do, as something that, you know, we say to God or whatever it might be, um, that maybe our limit, we're limiting what prayer really is, and God can do so much more through, um, through prayer than maybe we have asked him to or are inviting him to. So we said last week that maybe the verse that best describes what prayer is is found in Revelation chapter 3, verses 20, and I think this is a beautiful picture, and it says this, Here I am, Jesus is speaking, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door... I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. So through this verse, we concluded last week that prayer really is about inviting Jesus in. And we even said that, that in prayer, through prayer, what we see is that it's not us asking Jesus to move. It's actually Jesus knocking and inviting us to pray, to be with him, to, to spend time with him. And so that's something I think that's really important for us to recognize that Jesus wants us to pray. Jesus wants us to invite him in. Jesus wants us to have a relationship with him, to, to connect with him. And so we said last week that in order to pray, we need to experience helplessness and we need to have faith. And some people have questioned me about that. They're not quite sure. What do we mean with the helplessness? What I mean by that is this. You cannot pray if you don't feel that you need God. You cannot pray if you don't feel, if, you, if there's no sense of dependence on God. There's, there's no sense of talking to God if we don't feel we need him. And if we don't feel we need him, we're not going to pray. And if we feel that we don't need him and then still talk to him, we're not really praying because part of prayer is recognizing our need, our helplessness, that God is sovereign, that we are not, and therefore we need to invite God into our lives and have him do his work in us. And then we need faith. We need to rest and trust that, that God will answer our prayers and work according to his will. So I want to talk today about the difficulty of prayer. Why is praying so difficult for many of us? So here's a few things that we're just going to lay as a foundation. The Bible reminds us of how our Lord's, um, the Bible reminds us of our need of Jesus and also that he is willing to help us. And so most of us, we have no problem accepting that. We recognize that we know we need Jesus. The last part of chapter John, uh, John chapter 15, verse 5 says, Apart from me, you can do nothing. 
Most of us have zero trouble accepting that. Most of us have no problem accepting the fact that we need Jesus for everything. This is a verse that theologically makes sense to us because we recognize our need for Jesus. So when Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing, we understand that. We have also full confidence that Jesus does not grow weary of coming to us and reminding us and and knocking and encouraging us to pray. He doesn't grow tired of inviting us to, to, you know, participate with Him, of prompting, encouraging, exhorting, and at times even commanding us to pray. There are times in our lives where we just recognize that Jesus is reminding us and is encouraging us, and then there are times where He is actually commanding us to pray. None of us are going to say, God stops doing that, because we recognize that He is constantly at work. He doesn't only knock once or twice. Jesus continues to knock, continuously inviting us to come and to allow him to dwell in us. We recognize that and we understand that. We, can, we again and again in Scripture see how important prayer is. We have verses like Matthew chapter 7, verses 7. It says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. The one who knocks, the door will be open. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? John fifteen seven. If you remain in me and my word remains in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now, my guess is I'm speaking mostly to church people today. And I would venture to say that most of us in this room, most of us watching online, have no trouble believing those words that I just read. That we know that we can go to Jesus and ask him for things. We know that we are in Christ and that whatever we ask according to his will, he will do. It's verses like these and others where we are given a description of the power of prayer. And we understand it. The connectedness that we have with Jesus through prayer. And we believe it. Last week we said that through prayer we have access, acceptance, and assurance. We understand that. We understand and we believe those things. So if that is possible... If all of this is possible through prayer, and if Jesus is standing and knocking at the door, I need us to understand this, that there's then probably no greater way that we can grieve Jesus than by not praying. If all of these things are true, if we believe all of these things, that there's power in prayer, that there's connection through prayer, that there's assurance through prayer, that God wants to give us what we want or what we need according to his will. If all of those things are true, if we believe all of those, then there's no greater way for us to grieve Jesus than when we, than when we refuse to pray. In Jesus, we have all we need, and he desires to fulfill our needs. We are in need of him, and not only when tragedy strikes, but we are in need of him Always. And so here's the interesting question then. When it comes to prayer, when it comes to prayer, we so often don't take time to pray. We so often don't find the time. We so often we forget to pray. Or at other times, you know how it is. You get home and you're tired and you're, or you're, you know, having a good day and things are going well and you're like, oh man, I haven't really spent time in prayer yet. And 
let's just say it, we're simply too lazy to pray. So all these things we believe about prayer. But that doesn't mean that believing those things about prayer has made praying easy. So as a result, because we don't pray for whatever reason, we end up spiritually hungry, we feel like spiritual cripples, and many times this is why we give in to temptation so often and why some people completely walk away from their faith because they haven't really engaged Christ in prayer. In my years as a Christian, in my years as a Jesus follower, there is not one single spiritual discipline that I have struggled with more than with praying. Prayer is a constant struggle. And I think of the opportunities that I've missed. I think of the answers to prayer that have never been given because I didn't pray. And I'm sure many of you can relate. So let's ask the question then. If all of these things is what we believe, then why is it that most of us in this room, most of us as Christians of Jesus followers, fail so miserably when it comes to prayer? Why is it that praying is so difficult for so many people? Now, I'm not sure if I was to say, hey, raise your hands, you know, if you struggle with praying, raise your hands, you know, um, if you uh, struggle at times to find time to pray, if you find yourself sometimes forgetting to pray, all those kind of things. My guess is, honestly, most of us would raise our hands. And the question we have to wrestle with is, why is that? See, here's what we need to understand. The difficulty is not in what we believe. The difficulty is not in what we know. The difficulty isn't in what we've experienced or what we've learned or, or whatever it is. The difficulty lies in the very act of praying. You see, when you don't read your Bible, you can still recite some verses, you know, by memory. If you don't, you know, um, know something, you can learn from someone else by listening. But if you don't pray, you don't pray. There's no substitute for it. To really prayer, pray is difficult because it takes effort. It takes time. It takes us making that effort. If we are just going to talk to God and not really invite Jesus in, that doesn't take as much effort. But to really invite Jesus into our lives, to invite him to move in us, to accomplish his will in us, that takes effort. And many Christians do not make the effort that it takes. And yet the reality is this. That most of us, if not all of us, have had those moments in our lives where we've seen the power of prayer. We've seen God work through prayer. So then why would we not continue to do it? I remember a number of years ago, I was taking a course um, on spiritual discipline. And one of the things that we had to do is we had to, we had to come up with a year-long outline of how we were going to exercise different spiritual disciplines in our lives. And and one of the things that I added into my spiritual discipline, because I struggle with it, is to have consistent, regular, lengthy times of prayer in my, in my daily day. And so I said, I'm going to get up at 6 a.m., and I'm going to spend significant time every single morning in prayer. And so I started. And you know how it is. Those first little while, it, it was just kind of, I'm doing this because I have to do it. But then after a while, man... I noticed that God was, you know, I just felt closer to him. I felt more connected to him. Um, There's a few things that I specifically prayed for that I saw God answer. I had an accountability partner. I had people, you know, who were keeping kind of check with me. And, and after a while, I enjoyed getting up. And I had found my, I made a place where I would do this every morning. It was my living room. I would stand in front of my living room window and look outside. 
And as people walked by, I would pray for them. There's, you know, uh, looking out, I recognized that there were neighbors who needed prayer. There were other people who needed prayer. And this just became something I thoroughly enjoyed. But then you know how it goes. By the end of the year, I started sleeping in. It started feeling more like a chore than wanting to do it. And over time, as as it would always be, you know, I, you know, I slept in, and so therefore my rest of my day didn't sleep in, and so I had to get going, and so your time gets cut shorter, and, and it feels more and more like a duty and a responsibility, and, and so I would force myself to do it, and finally when the year was over and my, I had accomplished what I had set out to do for the course that I was taking, I got my grade, I stopped connecting with my accountability partners, and over time, I stopped doing it. Now you would ask me, why would you quit if you had seen such good results? Why would you quit if, if you had seen God working in your life in that way? And I would say to you, I don't know, but to this day, as a Christian, as a pastor, I struggle to pray. Now, that's me being pretty vulnerable with you. I wonder how many of you can relate. Okay, no one's going to show me, so fine, one person in the whole room. All right, thank you, thank you. Now some guilt's going up, perfect. I'm going to assume that we can all relate. And those of you watching online, I'm guessing many of us would say, when it comes to prayer, I struggle. We're trying to answer today, why? Why do we struggle with prayer? See, here's the thing. The more effort prayer becomes, the more effort prayer takes, the, less, the easier it is going to be for us to neglect it. The more effort prayer is, the harder it is, it's going to be easier for us to, to step away. It's going to be easier for us to neglect. The easier it will be for us to say, you know what, I don't have time right now. I don't have this. So we need to then look at it and say, so what are some of the things that will keep us from praying? And we're going to acknowledge right off the bat, and this is, you know, the spiritual side of this, is Satan doesn't want you to pray. He understands. He fully understands the power of prayer. So he doesn't want you to pray. So that's, that's another sermon we're going to touch on that later. I want to look today at a little bit more of the practical reasons for why we don't pray. So let's set some foundations first. So we have to start, when it comes to prayer, we have to start with accepting that prayer takes practice. Okay? You will not learn to pray unless you practice. That doesn't mean it's going to be easier, but prayer takes practice. You learn to pray by by praying, and this takes perseverance. It's not something you can go and take a course on, and somehow now knowledge alone is going to make you a great prayer warrior. Praying takes practice, and the only way to, to learn to pray is to pray. The second thing we have to see is that you will need to practice, in order to really practice, you will need to admit that you struggle. You will need to admit that you struggle with praying. If you deny yourself this, if you say, I don't struggle with prayer, you will never admit the fact that you need to learn. I think it's one of those things that we have to recognize because sometimes what we do is we don't want to admit that we struggle. And so we need to be really honest with ourselves and say, I struggle with praying regularly. So if I know that that's something that I need to do spiritually and I've just admitted it out loud, well then now I have to do something about it. And so here's the thing. No more excuses. No more excuses. It's not your kid's fault that you're so tired. It's not because your day was so bad. It's not because there aren't, isn't enough time in the day. It's not because you're too busy. It's not that you don't know how. 
All of those excuses no longer valid. And so you admit that you need to make some changes. You admit that you struggle. And it starts by just realizing that prayer is going to take practice. And so you don't start by saying, I'm going to be an expert in prayer. You admit that you need need help, that you struggle with this. And then the last thing that you do is you must accept that you need help. The Holy Spirit will teach you to pray. We need, you know, we need to make corrections in our prayer life. You can't just say, I'm going to pray the same thing. I'm going to pray a memorized prayer for the rest of my life, kind of like Pastor Peter did in his video, where he could rattle it off like in two seconds, you know. I've got the Zene, Vater, Dieses, Präsen, Unsergrofen, Dieses, Präsen. I've got that memorized. That's a high German prayer. I have no idea what that means, but I used to pray that every single day before I ate because if I didn't, I'm sure punishment was waiting. I just was convinced I had to, and so I did it. I had no idea what it meant. That's not really inviting Jesus in. So we're going to need to make some corrections. There's nothing, if you're teaching your kids memorized prayers, keep doing it. There's nothing wrong with them. But at some point, we need to dig in deeper. You need to dig. If you are still having the same conversation with your wife or your husband after 15 years of marriage, there's something wrong with the relationship. It's the same with God. And so we're going to need to practice. We're going to need to work at making some changes. My guess is that this week a lot of you did some snow shoveling. And it probably looked something like this. You're shoveling snow. Doesn't this just bring back good memories? So imagine if you got in your driveway on Tuesday. Tuesday morning it snowed a lot. And there you are in your driveway and you're shoveling. And this next scoop from this guy, it must be a Texan. He doesn't really know how to fill that shovel up. Come on, buddy. You know, but if, if, if you woke up Tuesday morning and you saw the snow out there and, and you went out and next, for the next hour and a half, you're out there shoveling and you're going and you're going two hours, you're shoveling. And you're beginning to think, this driveway's not this big. What in the world is going wrong here? And then finally you stop and you back up and you realize you have made zero progress. Zero progress. And now you're like, what in the world is wrong? I have been shoveling for two hours. I'm actually pretty sore. I'm tired. What is going wrong? And then you notice, oh my goodness, I've been holding the shovel upside down. And you're like, how would you make that mistake? I think some of us are doing that with prayer. I don't question for one minute that many of us are working hard, we are praying hard, we are, we are trying to do our best in prayer, and we want to pray, and we want God to answer our prayers, and, and we're doing it wrong. Now, if you are getting upset with me, that's fine, but just remember this. Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. That only means one thing. That there are, there's the possibility that we don't know how to pray, and we need to learn. And the more exhausted you become, the more frustrated you're going to get. The more exhausted you become, the less you're going to want to pray. And eventually you're going to abandon it altogether. So let's look this morning at three common mistakes that we make when we pray. And I want to say this, okay, before a little disclaimer. I've been working on this now for myself for some time, and you can ask the staff. There are times I'll be praying in our staff meeting, and I have to stop because I'm making all the mistakes. I'm doing all the things that I shouldn't do, and and so this could possibly frustrate your prayer life. 
Okay? It's the same as if you learn to do something different and all of a sudden now you've got sore muscles and you're like, man, the easiest thing would just be to go back to sitting, slouching the way I used to. But I'm supposed to sit up straighter, but now my back hurts more. But eventually, in the long run, it's better for you. You all understand what I'm saying, right? The same is going to possibly be true with prayer. You're going to start praying differently and you're going to find yourself frustrated. Bear with me. Don't give up because what we want to do is we want to develop healthy ways of praying that, that may be frustrating in the moment, but I think in the long run are going to pay off good dividends. So the first mistake we make is this. We think that we must help God fulfill our prayer. We think that we must help God fulfill our prayer. Okay, what do I mean by that? This is where honesty is going to come in, like we talked about before. We're going to need to be honest with ourselves. But I think if we would stop for a moment and start evaluating our prayers, what you're going to notice is that there are moments in your prayer where there's a switch. You go from asking God or telling God what you need, you go from asking God to something to suggesting how he should answer. Okay? So there's moments in our lives where we will pray and then all of a sudden now we start giving him suggestions on what to do and how to answer this prayer. And, and at the very least, we, we give him these you know, simple suggestions on what he might, maybe he should do. Let me give you two examples. You're going on a trip, something we're all waiting to do again. You're going to go on a family vacation. You're going to fly somewhere. And so you pray and you say, God, we're looking forward to this vacation. We need this vacation as a family. So we pray that you would give us a great experience. And then you make the switch. And this is where you start making suggestions. So God, I pray that the border would be open. I pray that our flight would be on time. I pray that our connection would be good. And when we get there, that the weather would be good. That we would be healthy. All of these things, God, because if all of that was taken care of, then we would have a good vacation. So if you don't do those things, God, we probably won't have a good vacation. Other one. We've all done these, okay? You're all looking at me like, oh my word, what do we pray then? Okay, hang with me, hang with me. This is a tough one, I'm telling you. You're going to find yourself frustrated. The next one, you're praying for someone who's in the hospital. Let's say a dear friend of yours is in the hospital. God, my friend is in the hospital. I pray that you would heal him or her. Okay? That's the prayer. That's really what we want God to do. But then we make the switch. So God, I pray that the doctors would have the right medicine. I pray that you would move the doctor's hands. I pray, God, that the nurses would do this and the nurses would do that. And I pray, and we feel like we have to suggest to God all the things that he would need to do in order to heal our friend. Now, here's the thing with that. So as you're praying, you become exhausted because not only are you asking God what to do, but you feel like you have to give solutions. You feel like you have to give God options on, on what to do. Then there are times where you will be praying, and because you have no idea what God should do, and you can't think of what would actually help the situation, guess what you do? You don't pray. Not that you don't believe that God could answer, but you don't pray because you have no idea what to pray for. So Mary, the mother of Jesus, gives us an example, a beautiful example of what a prayer should look like. John chapter 2, verse 1. If you have your Bibles, look at it. Now I want you to just kind of stick with this for this week. Because I think in this passage, there's this beautiful picture that Mary gives us on what prayer should look like. John chapter 2, verse 1. On the third day of the wedding, 
On the third day, a wedding took place at, at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Verse 4. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. In this passage, I think there is a beautiful illustration, a beautiful picture of what we should do. Now notice what Mary does and doesn't do. First thing that she does is she went straight to the source. She goes to Jesus and she tells him everything. Okay, She didn't hold back. She told him exactly what, what it was. Secondly, she kept it simple. They have no more wine. That's the need. That's the, that's the situation. That's what's going on. And she brings it to Jesus. The third thing, after presenting her petition, she has done her part. And she doesn't give any suggestions. Notice that she doesn't look at Jesus and say, oh, hey, hold on a second, look at that. There's some empty jars over there. So Jesus, maybe we'd fill those empty jars with water and you do your thing. You know that thing that you know how to do, Jesus? You do your thing and then we'll take a cup of that water that's now turned into wine. We'll take it to the master of the ceremony and we'll show a sign of our faith of what you can do. How about we do that, Jesus? Huh? What do you think? She doesn't do it. She leaves him with what she has requested. She doesn't instruct Jesus on, on anything. She just simply says to the servants, whatever he tells you to do, you do it. Now some of us are going to struggle with this because it seems too short. So now we would pray for our vacation. We might say, God, we're going on vacation. We need this trip. Would you accomplish your will? God, my friend is in the hospital and I want him to be healed. Do your will. And some of us are going to struggle with that and say, man, that's just too short of a prayer. And, and when we don't give God all these kind of suggestions on how to pray, then, then you know, what, what, what are we supposed to pray? Now remember, we're trying to answer the question, why is praying so difficult? Because if we feel that we have to give God all these solutions, if we feel that we need to step in and, and tell God what to do, do you not feel already in your own heart why it's so exhausting to pray? That not only now are you bringing God your need, but you feel responsible to somehow also suggest how it should be changed. You might be thinking right now, that's not true, but think about it next time you pray. What is actually wearing you down from wanting to pray? And I know that in my own life, I have discovered that one of the things that has burdened me, one of the things that has, that has tired me out is sometimes I'll be praying for people and I don't know what they need and so I don't know what to pray, and yet I feel like I need to tell God what they need. And I find myself at the end exhausted because I have no more suggestions. So you need to process that for yourself. So why don't we, instead of telling God what we think he should do, why don't we instead tell him how we feel? Where our heart is at in this situation? What is going on in our own lives? God, we need this vacation. Our family's been so separated We've been running. We need to connect. God, my friend's in the hospital, and I'm scared. I'm so scared he's going to die. And I don't know what I would do without him. And so I just want you to know that's how I feel. Why don't we tell God about some of the things that are burdening us so that we can learn to recognize that he doesn't only want to 
do what we've asked him to do. He wants to minister to us. And I think when we don't learn to tell Jesus how we feel or what we lack, we will find ourselves frustrated in prayer. So as you come to know Christ more personally, you must begin to understand that he knows you. He knows what's going on in your life. He knows about the tensions that you feel. He knows about the fears. He knows about all of these things. He knows about the celebrations. So invite him into that area of your life. Not just something that you want him to do, but you want him to be part of your life as you journey through what you have prayed for. So in your prayer, we need to become more quiet because we know he knows us. We can become more confident we can have our conversations filled, not only with requests, but with gathering together with him and spending time with him. This will take a lot of practice to learn to do. And I want to encourage you, in those moments when you find yourself wanting to suggest to God what he should do, to just stop yourself and, here's what I've done, you can do what you want. I have often said to God, okay, forgive me for doing that. Forgive me for wanting to tell you how you should answer my prayer. You know my heart. You know my fears. And I'm just leaving it with you. And it's actually been, I have found it, it has been difficult to just walk away. With Mary, I'm going to look at that in a little bit, but she, that's exactly what she did. She leaves it with Jesus. Let's look at the second common mistake. We use prayer sometimes for the purpose of commanding God to do our bidding. Now, this sounds similar to the first one, but it's actually quite different. So we must start with an understanding that God does not permit us to order him around. Okay, let's just, I, I know all of us would say, oh, I know that. But yet when we pray, we often order God around. God has not promised us. God has not given us prayer so that we can demand something of him and that he feels compelled to answer. Okay, that's not why God gave us prayer. And I think sometimes in our prayer life, that's kind of what we see it. Because I'm praying, because I'm you know, going before God, therefore now God has to do what I want him to do. God has not given us prayer so that we can command him what to do in our lives. Look again at this passage um, with Mary. She gives us a beautiful picture of how to pray, and so let's look at it again. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Now look at verse 4 because this, is, this sounds pretty harsh. Woman, why do you involve me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Okay, I want us to stick with this verse. Mary wants to spare the host the embarrassment of running out of wine. So she goes to Jesus. He doesn't want the host to have to call the party off and say, everybody go home, we're out of drink. So she goes to Jesus and she makes this request. But look at the response from Jesus. It seems harsh. It is harsh. This is his mother. And how does he address her? Woman. Now, I will just say this. This is a complicated passage. There's a lot of debate around this passage. And so we won't take a lot of time around it. But here's one thing we know. This was a harsh response to his mother. And most of us, if we would go to Jesus and pray and he would respond to us in that way, that would probably be the last time we pray. And we would leave discouraged. We would leave maybe even bitter. But Mary goes to him and she brings a request and he responds, Woman, why do you bother me with this? Now here's, 
really quickly, okay? Here's why some scholars believe Jesus did this. First and foremost, what was very clear is that Jesus recognized that he would not start his ministry outside of God's timing, outside of his Father's timing. And some scholars even believe that Jesus may have seen this action from his mother as a possible way for Satan to try to force his hand. And that's why he says to her, woman, because he wanted her to know and he wanted everyone to know that he would not make an exception to the Father's commands even if it was coming from his mom. Now that's a very quick very quick outline, but it's important for us to recognize that Jesus was not going to answer that, that prayer request that, had, that was outside of his father's timing. We see a similar harsh response from Jesus in Matthew chapter 16 when Peter is like, you can't go die on the cross. It's not going to happen. And what does Jesus say? He looks at Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. Because again, it, it, was, a, it was a question of timing. So I want us to look at what Mary does. Even as a result of this harsh response, look at what she does. First thing that she does is she submits to it. She doesn't argue with Jesus or try to use her position to do her bidding. She's not like, come on, Jesus, I'm your mother. I've raised you. I've sacrificed for you. You do what I did. I'm just asking you to make some wine. She doesn't do any of those things. She submits to it. We aren't told whether she understood, but here's what she knew. That whether, you know, whatever she, whatever she had left to Jesus, he was going to do something with it. We aren't told whether she understood his answer, but she is convinced that he will do something with it. And that takes us right into the second one. She did not, her, her confidence in Jesus was not shaken. You see that. She recognizes Jesus is going to do something. I don't know what, it's, what it is, but if given this request to Jesus, he's going to do something. And how do we know this? Because she goes to the servants and says, do whatever he tells you to do. Mary left in a submissive way, but she also left in a, in a, with her convictions in place. She didn't understand what Jesus was going to do, but she knew that he was going to do something. Folks, what a lesson for us today. There are going to be times where we don't understand what God is up to. And then he does the very opposite, or he doesn't do exactly what we want, or his timing isn't in line with ours, and our conviction is actually really rattled. What Mary does here, she looks at the servants and says, do whatever, he's, do whatever he tells you to do, because she knew he was going to do something. And then thirdly, third common mistake we make or sorry the third thing that she did was she made no attempt to command Jesus to change the timing of his public ministry see here's something I think that's important for us to understand Mary recognized that when she when Jesus says that my time has not yet come she recognized that it was not her job to change the timing of his public ministry so here's an important lesson for us through this that we must never interfere or strive to interfere with the timing of God's answer to our prayers. We must never interfere or strive to interfere with the timing of God's prayers. I struggle with this one. Man, I struggle with this one. I find myself often telling God when he should do what. God, here's the situation. We need an answer now. Here's what's going on. And so God, we pray that by this and this time, you could have accomplished this. 
And maybe there's a place where we would say right now, in this moment, we're asking God, you to come and meet. But we must always have the open hand to say, if this is not his timing, then our confidence in him will not be shaken. I find that my main reason for doing this is of a lack of patience. I will admit that I often pray more for the purpose of getting an answer than inviting Jesus into the situation. I don't know if you can agree. I don't know if you feel the same. But I find myself in my own life when I pray sometimes, I pray more for Jesus to answer than to invite him into my situation. See, we've all become goal-oriented. We've become task-oriented. We're production people. We want to get things done. Why waste time? And so we take that same mindset into our prayers. Okay, God, you know, we're going to pray for a revival in Leamington by the end of 2021. Yeah. And here's how it's going to go down, God. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to stir in the hearts of people. You're going to rise up leaders. You're going to do this and this and this. And we just, God, by the end of 2021, we are looking forward to what, you've, what you're going to do, God. And I wonder sometimes if God's just sitting there going like, wow, really, folks? Really? That's how easy it is. Again, I'm being vulnerable here. And I hope you'll do the same in your own prayer life. To really ask yourself, when you pray, and when you pray for something difficult, do you put a timeline on it? And if God doesn't answer according to that timeline, do you become discouraged? Do you begin to doubt because the thing is, I think often because we put a timeline on it and God doesn't answer by the end of 21, but by the end of 2031, suddenly there's a massive revival in Leamington and we don't even see it as an answer to prayer. Because we had a timeline, God didn't answer, God didn't do it the way we wanted and we just assumed he didn't answer prayer. And yet God's like, oh, rising up leaders takes time. Stirring a, a community to change takes time. Because if it's just really quick, it may not be genuine. So God's at work. And I think so often because we've become so time-focused, so goal-oriented, we miss those moments when God is answering prayer. And because of that, we feel our, find ourselves disappointed. And because of that, very often because there's disappointed, disappointment, we may stop praying. And sadly, I've seen people, they stop praying, and eventually they also stop trusting. And it wasn't anything that God did. It was what we did wrong in our prayer life. So if you are discouraged in your prayer life, ask yourself why. Why are you discouraged? If you believe all these things about God, that he answers, that he's faithful, that he's all-powerful, that he can do whatever he wants, are you, have you convinced yourself that you're the only one's prayers that he won't answer? Or why are you finding yourself discouraged in your prayer life, you may discover that your prayers sometimes was more about what you wanted than about what God wanted. You expected God to do what you would think he would do, and then he didn't, and because of that, you gave up. The third common mistake is this. We forget to pray in Jesus' name. We forget to pray in Jesus' name. I'm not talking here about ending our prayer in the name of Jesus, amen. That can be a tagline you can, you can throw on the back of anything. Okay, What we're talking about here, if you haven't seen Pastor Peter's video, uh, sermon, you need to go watch that because he, he uncovered this, really, or he unpacked this really well. But what we're talking about here is having an attitude of prayer that is about accomplishing God's will, not our will. 
It's an attitude of praying in the name of Jesus, saying, whatever it is that you want to accomplish, God, I will be obedient to that. And so if our trip away doesn't turn out the way we wanted, then so be it. You know our hearts. You know why we want to go on this trip. You know why we want to do this. You know what's going on. In our, you know why we feel this would be a good experience. But if you decide to answer different, it's, a glory, it's, it's to your glory that we are a, a, off after. Praying is not about our will being accomplished or about getting what we want. It's about seeking to invite Jesus into our lives. Remember, prayer is inviting Jesus. Jesus is standing at the door and he's knocking. And you don't invite him in and say, oh, I'm so glad you're here. I got, I got plumbing problems. My electricity's not working. Um, the heat's kind of down. And one of us isn't, isn't feeling very good. Come on in. That's often the way we treat Jesus, like a handyman. Come on, you're here. Good, good, good. Let's fix things. Instead, what we should do is we invite Jesus in and trust me, he might not be in the house very long and say, whoa, it's kind of cold in here. What's going on? Oh, yeah, we've had some heating problems, but I'm just so glad you're here. And all of a sudden, you'll see him start to work in our lives because it's about his glory, his purpose. It's about proclaiming his name above all else. Nothing will discourage our prayer life quicker than when we pray in our own name. And here's why. Because he can't answer those prayers. I shouldn't say he can't. He won't. He won't answer those prayers. To pray with only our will in mind goes against his will. His will is often similar to ours, but we need to always pray with his will and his timing in mind. So if you find yourself discouraged today in your prayer life, start by telling God about it. Tell him about the condition of your faith. Tell him that you're weary of praying. Tell him that you're actually tired of it. That you struggle to pray. Invite him to come in. Invite him to spend time with you. To accomplish nothing more than to have fellowship together. Invite him to come and change your heart. Start there. Start there. And then you will find yourself connected to him. And all of a sudden you will understand his heart more. And you will ask more for things that are in line with his heart. So if we struggle with prayer, I trust that these three mistakes will be something that we will begin to work on. And if you don't understand them, wrestle with it. Because I think over time you will begin to see that it makes sense. All right, let me close in a word of prayer, and then we're dismissed. Father, we thank you for this beautiful opportunity that we can come to you and we can invite you in. And that you come to us. That you want to have a relationship with us. You want to be with us. So Jesus, we invite you in. We want to hear from you. We want to speak. We want you to speak to us through your Holy Spirit. We thank you for what you will accomplish. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you very much for being here. And those of you online, thank you for joining us. And have a great rest of the day. And we're going to dismiss the same as we did before. And so please, we'll...